It's a long drive to left field. <laughs> Back goes Acuna. Looking up, and it's gone. I don't know what that means. Um, sports? Yes, that would yeah. be sports. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to this week's episode of Floor 9. Uh, I am your host, Guy Elchison, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Adam Simon. Hello. Uh, and this is a very special episode. Uh, episode 51, we'll be talking about uh, OTT streaming and just the plethora of new uh, content and streaming services that are out there. Most notably, today is November 12th, uh, and Disney Plus is here, uh, everybody. It is out. It arrived at 3 o'clock this morning, uh, Eastern Time. Uh, and the reviews are coming in, and so far it seems to be in high demand, considering that uh, Disney has already crashed, or, or, or like their servers went down. <laughs> so it seems like uh, people are excited to get their hands on that sweet, sweet Disney content. Um, what are your thoughts, Adam? Have you signed up already? Uh, yes, I, uh, for no discernible reason, was one of uh, over a million people who pre-ordered a streaming service. <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, apparently they had a, over a million people who signed up, um, you know, in advance. Uh, I didn't get anything for it because I didn't. Uh, I just did the. I, I did the the one year. I pay. I did the seventy dollars for one year. Uh, Great deal. Deal. And uh, yeah, because like I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna watch it. So yeah, well, I mean, it, they they launched with a, with a lot of great content. I was able to kind of take a look at it this morning. Uh, the Mandalorian's front and center, Disney, Pixar, National Geographic, Marvel. Uh, they have Endgame on there. They have Captain Captain Marvel, um, and they have just every single Toy Story movie out there. So they, it seems like they're coming to the market with a very strong catalog of content. Uh, compared to maybe Apple, which didn't come to market that strong. I was surprised that Disney, uh, I didn't realize this was going to be true until I looked at it this morning, but that they, in the, in their um, flagship brands of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, they have at least one original in for each of those categories. Like I didn't realize there was going to oh, be Pixar originals um, on, on the service, but there is. There are two Pixar shows, so um, or one Pixar show and one, one uh, short film. Uh, so, uh, and th- there's, uh, other than... Um, uh, the the Marvel movies. There's like a Marvel documentary series about like kids and superheroes. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's cool. Good work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well done. Uh, and I can confirm that the first three minutes of The Mandalorian are epic. Uh, it's all I got in this morning because it took me so long to sign up, but it looks awesome. Um, but with that, you know, should we just go into like this understanding, what is the state of streaming today? Because obviously this has been a topic that our brands have been talking about or asking us about, our listeners have been talking or asking us about. Um, so where where are we now? It seems like this is kind of like the the start of the race that we've been looking forward to for the past, you know, eight months. Uh, Disney Plus is here. Apple TV Plus is here. Uh, and we're kind of off the races with... 2020 ahead of us. Yeah, here in the US we are basically like right in the middle of the big of the big title shift in uh priorities uh or or in in the landscape where um yeah, we have Apple and Disney have launched, we have HBO and uh Peacock, uh, HBO Max and Peacock launching next spring and uh I you know, it's everything is going to look dramatically different uh by the time we get to next summer um than it did uh at this summer. I just think that there's um we're we're maybe at a point of uh of streaming um 
uh, people being a little overwhelmed by their choices. I think everybody already had enough things to watch. Um, and now there's more things to watch and there's going to be even <laughs> more things to watch. So, you know, uh, I, I have a lot of questions about how people are going to consume content. Obviously, we all want to know uh, how many services will people subscribe to? Yep. Uh, how will content be reviewed? Like, if you're a reviewer, do you review stuff just for one service? Because you know that if people have that service, they want to know what the best content on it is. Or do you, you know, review things across services? It's we're we're well past the time when any reviewer could actually watch everything uh, and tell you what actually is the best show on TV. Uh, but um, I mean, I can tell you my opinion on the best shows on TV. <laughs> well, you haven't seen everything, so it can't be definitive. <laughs> Well, in my own little bubble, you know, of uh, cartoons and animation, I got a great list. Um, but I mean, you, you bring up a lot of really interesting points, you know, um, just kind of thinking about like, to your point, like Disney Plus launched this morning at three o'clock in the morning. Like, do you wake up at three o'clock in the morning if you're a TV reviewer to start reviewing? Uh, and it's also like <laughs> they only have like one episode out for a lot of their originals. So like, do you wait until you have a full episode or full show out there? Who knows? Yeah, I guess I suppose that we will see reviews start dropping for Disney Plus originals if they did precede anything to mm -hmm. reviewers. Presumably the uh, embargo would drop today. Um, but I haven't seen anything personally yet that looks like they might not have um, screened anything in advance for reviewers, which is an interesting take. Apple was under a lot of criticism uh, a week and a half ago for only giving three episodes of all of their shows to reviewers. Um, so unclear um, it seems like <laughs> disney maybe didn't give any give them anything so uh, but I, I think that maybe speaks less to the idea that disney might be normally they would say oh well maybe they're afraid it's not good and they don't want reviews getting out there mm -hmm. um that's usually the case when a movie isn't pre-screened for uh for reviewers but in this case i think it might just be that they don't need reviewers uh this is not uh necessarily people are not making on at least on day one subscription decisions based on a review of the mandalorian either they want to watch <laughs> the mandalorian or they want to watch some other piece of Disney content, or they right. don't. It has nothing to do with uh, the necessarily some third party coming in and offering their uh, quality assessment. So, Adam, I'm just I'm just I'm just laughing because I saw Chad in the background, and we just we got him mic'd up. Uh, but Chad, what, what what were you just saying about um, Disney Plus and the service? I, I, so, so I think that Disney Disney Plus is different from a lot of these other services because Disney Plus almost comes out of the gate as a utility, and at some points even comes out as savings because you can have new content and new programming. But the catalog is so deep that just making it available as a subscription to begin with, I think, is a compelling proposition. I don't think that's something how that's not how you get 10 million users, but you certainly do get a, you know a few hundred thousand, maybe up to a million people right away, who for 6.99 see it as like this is a much more affordable way, uh, you know, to acquire content than to buy things individually or mm -hmm. hope when things come on and off Netflix. In fact, all of a sudden, there's a lot of reliability. If you talk to a lot of parents who are now putting their kids in front of Sesame Street, they all talk about how HBO is so interesting. And like, H, you know, HBO for kids, HBO and kids have had a, <laughs> it's been a historical focus on kids for HBO for at least 30 years. There's always been great kids programming. There's always the HBO home video department has always had a tremendous amount of content that they sold on VHS and I'm assuming DVDs as well. And like when HBO moved into their deal with Sesame Street or Sesame Workshop or whatever, however that whole thing works, it's like parents are talking all about how, you know, you have all these new Sesame Sesame Street episodes that are available. So I think it's a very similar thing when it comes to Disney. And so I was just laughing because it's like, I'm sure Disney's like, yeah, we could put out three episodes of The Mandalorian for people to review, or you could turn this on and watch Lilo and Stitch and <laughs> uh, Fantasia. Is, is Fantasia on there? 
don't know. All of Snow Wave. It's not? I don't know. Oh, Cinderella. You better hope that's in 4K HDR Dolby Vision. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to check right now. I'm checking right now. Okay, check right now. I can can open up my app and uh, take a a peek here. They do have a 4K original. Fantasia Fantasia is confirmed. Fantasia is confirmed. Confirmed. That movie movie scared me growing up. Not in 4K. Not in 4K. HD 5.1. But they do have Avatar, Frozen, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, Inside Out, a classic. If you haven't watched uh, that was the, one, was Avatar the key to the Fox deal? Was they needed to make sure that they got Avatar? It was uh, an important part of the Fox deal. <laughs> Weird, uh, weirdly, somewhat. Isn't there an Avatar ride? In a theme There's park an somewhere? entire Avatar land in Florida. And who goes? Uh, I went to go see what it was like. <laughs> uh, no, I actually think it's in- it's an interesting. The entire Avatar strategy is interesting in that it's they're doing it kind of backwards from everything else, where they're using things like the theme park. They had a Cirque du Soleil Avatar show. Oh, they're using cool. the experiential stuff to like get people invested in it before the new movies come out. Uh, it's like a pocket of people who are just like real. Some Avatar people fans. love Avatar. I don't yeah. really. Understand. I don't know those people, but some people really yeah. love Avatar. <laughs> I can say Avatar, <laughs> Avatar for me, it, it's like. You know, I always feel like the more hundreds of millions of dollars you pour into a movie, the more likely it is you're going to see it more than once. And Avatar fails that that measurement because <laughs> I couldn't even recall a scene from Avatar. Well, that aside, if we look at the content that each of these platforms have, you know, what like what is the strategy for Apple? What is the strategy for Disney? What is the strategy for Netflix and Hulu and uh, NBC? Like, how are these companies looking at content and streaming for like their overall businesses? Like, how do they differ between each one? Yeah, well, for Apple and for Disney, it's pretty similar. It is part of the ecosystem. It's part of what we've been talking about as a potential super bundle of uh, of content. And whether whether it the the streaming service is bundled into the rest of the uh, with the rest of the digital content or other content, or it's just an ecosystem play in terms of uh, getting you invested in the characters and intellectual property, and then monetizing you in different parts of the ecosystem, it basically amounts to the, to the same thing. I've been telling people to think of Disney Plus less as a streaming service, less as a a Netflix competitor, and more as a loyalty program that has uh, some streaming attached to it. Uh, Mm. Because clearly you will pay for it, but that uh, $7 a month or $70 a year is a giant drop in the bucket to what they are hoping to drive in terms of uh, ecosystem revenue on products, on vacations, um, on uh, movie tickets in theaters. Uh, that it's going to be so much more money than that. You know what? That's a really, really great point because if you think about it, Disney is one of these absolutely incredible businesses that knows nothing, very little about their customers other than people who visit the parks mm-hmm. because of the fact that you know people who go see the movies in theaters or that data is owned by the theaters. If, right. if they have any of that yeah. on home video, <laughs> it's the same way. Netflix and all these other things. So it really is a great way to collect. It's basically, it's their consumer direct strategy. That's pretty obvious. But just understand the data mining that's going to come out of it it's going to be it's it's going to be a very yeah good they're gonna they're gonna have detailed data on your household and pe- people even people within your household if you make profiles for your kids that they don't exactly. they, they only watch mm-hmm. the uh, kid appropriate content uh, so that uh, they know what characters they like and what story what what brands they like um, and uh, they've never had that kind of data before so I think it'll be interesting to see it'll probably take a, a little time but you know five years from now how this amount of data affects the kinds of uh, TV shows and movies they put into production and also obviously like will eventually trickle down all the way to the theme parks and like what gets turned into a ride and which characters are walking around Disneyland you know right and also don't discount incremental box office gains from franchises that they have so for instance if there's a new so like 
there's people who have made their decision, unless there truly is Star Wars burnout, which I don't necessarily know if there's Star Wars burnout, but Star Wars is going to be a big hit, right? That's Absolutely. Come out. And the fact that it's very easy for somebody to binge and catch up really quickly now versus having to lay out additional money, that means something. So mm -hmm. you might be able to get an incremental gain uh, on a box office release. And maybe the same thing in something like, I mean, I don't know, Frozen. I mean, it's going to be a very healthy yeah. December for Disney, <laughs> I think, yes. between Star Wars and Frozen. But the fact is, is that it allows them, especially when it comes to the Marvel Universe or things like that, things that could be a little bit more complicated in terms of time, effort, and mm -hmm. you know your ability to put, put the story together. Now everything is in one easy, convenient place. I think I think that that certainly helps. Yeah, well, it it brings me back to thinking about like what Netflix has been doing, like when they test and pilot TV shows. Like they've been cutting TV shows after two seasons, knowing this based off what people watch. That that's what I guess like the value of that show is. Like it's not worth making like a third season, right? So, you know, similar to like your point, it's like this could be a way for Disney to start doing that exact thing. It's like this the plethora of new content that might come out from them and stopping at one or two seasons. Um, you know could be a, a, a new strategy for them to help understand like what kind of franchises they want to start building, like what could be like that next Marvel yeah, franchise. I, I think we, I think they will test, especially when you look at, at Marvel where we know there's just, you know, a back catalog of thousands of characters. I think we'll see them test a lot of Marvel characters with like, okay, we'll introduce this person into the WandaVision show for a couple of episodes story arc. And they're like, Oh, people seem to really like that character. So we're going to, um, you know, we're going to bring them back and give them their own show or, and maybe the show does well. And maybe eventually if, you know, they build somebody, a character up for, from obscurity into a, something that's able to carry their, its own feature. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we will see something like that in the Marvel or Star Wars universe in the next few years. Yeah. But what about like for Netflix, right? Like what, like what new pressures does Netflix now have to compete with knowing that these companies are kind of like Apple and Disney are using this content as more as like a data mining or user acquisition strategy rather than like their main core product. Because as we know, Netflix's core product is content. Yeah. Uh, and now they're competing with two behemoths that can kind of write off content as it's like a marketing expense. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the <laughs> challenge for the challenge for Netflix is that they have one business. It's the same challenge that Spotify has. They have one business, and they have to make that profitable. Um, and it's been uh, it, it's way easier to take a content business and make it into a, as you say, a marketing uh, consumer acquisition acquisition tool for um, a high margin hardware business or right. travel or toys. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, I, I think that um, the pressure is on is to make that profitable and i think those are all of the question marks around netflix right now that everybody has is it's not uh is can netflix turn the boat around um fast enough to uh you know be be revenue generating before wall street gets um, starts to write them off and, and reigns in the leash basically mm -hmm. um, because uh, and and I think you know I, I'm pretty optimistic for them I think that uh, we have a time period of about five years where the landscape is going to look like this where we're going to have a lot of competition way more shows than anybody can watch um, and then I think it's going to contract again I think some of these services will go away or will merge or will um, mm -hmm. uh, you know or, or will be turned turned off and some of these companies are going to return to licensing their content again um, and uh, as as long as Netflix can keep their head above water for this this period, um, they will be in a great position to uh, buy content from other people uh, again. Um, and uh, you know they they have a, a already have a big the biggest audience. And as long as they can, they don't even have to be number one at the end of this right. round. Mm -hmm. As long as they are still in the game, they are still going to have a sizable enough audience uh, that people will want to sell their content to them. 
Right. So, so like I have a point of view on that too. I, first of all, I, first thing that I think about is, is that Disney, Disney is a brand that's very top down, right? So Disney stands for a lot of things. And a big part of that is family entertainment Mm -hmm. and family entertainment goes into areas that are also, it's expensive content to produce. So I don't know if anyone is really rushing to Disney Plus to catch up on some of the old like uh, you know Disney Network TV shows and sitcoms and things like that. <laughs> My I, girlfriend know, is <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, so she's going to enjoy that yes. because there's going to be a lot of it there. Yep. But you know, most of the content that I think a lot of people are going to talk about is stuff that generally is expensive or it's mm-hmm. difficult or it would be expensive to license. So in right. a way, Netflix gets to walk away from that area of pursuing very expensive new shows, expensive mm. shows to license, and instead, one of the things that they get to focus on is what the data says. Right. And we all know that Netflix uses their data to figure out what shows to watch. And they use it no differently than the way the Oakland A's in the late 90s bought ball players. Okay. Mm-hmm. They bought wins. They didn't buy players. Okay. So if you take like the money ball concept, it's one of the things that Netflix has been very, very successful with is finding out people like watching European crime dramas, right? And so that's why you all of a sudden saw all of these like weird detective shows that were pretty amazing that all took place. Like they were like Scandinavian shows or mm-hmm. the show BBC uh, crime dramas or you even see, or well, not BBC crime dramas, but you know, you'd see like criminal shows that were like in Northern Ireland. You know, you would see these like really <laughs> yeah. great, like Icelandic, you know, uh, detective shows and things like that. But it's kind of like Netflix knows that that was something that people were interested in. Like Netflix has a variety of shows all about like prison, hard crime, like all of these things. Like people they are crime. so long tail. Yeah, they're so long tail focused, which generally are shows that could be, um, cheap to acquire yep. or they're not very expensive to produce. And so they get to play in the areas where, you know, they know that their, their users are there. And I don't think anybody is really looking at Disney plus and Netflix and saying, I have to cut one of them. I think they're a very good compliment. I think that the people in the middle who have to worry about the squeeze. Yeah, no, I can, I completely agree. I, Cause we talk about like this idea of like, are these services going to grow the share, like 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 the the share of the wallet, or is it going to be like a competition of which one can I pay for? The way I look at it, Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, uh, HBO, that's just what I pay for now. Mm-hmm. Like that is like the millennials cable bundle or <laughs> right. like, like, like cable TV. Yeah. Um, like I've never once thought it's like, Oh, I'm gonna have to give up Netflix for Disney plus that didn't even cross my mind. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy a second one. Um, and personally, it's like if Netflix allows me to binge content, cause I, my viewership and how I view is completely changed. If I can like binge content, Netflix will always be in my, yeah portfolio because nobody else offers that right now. The other thing that I think is important to think about is the um, global scope of these services. Netflix is global. Netflix and Amazon were were first to global. Um, And uh, Netflix is way ahead of a lot of people in developing local content for a lot of these markets. And I think that's Mm going to give them a huge advantage. Um, Netflix's growth is all outside the U.S. Um, And uh, I I think as long as as their U.S. user base stays pretty stable, again, uh, and not Mm -hmm. too many people cancel Netflix, uh, as long as they're, they will have no problem growing internationally. And this is a real challenge for these legacy media companies coming in. Apple came to market without a back catalog, um, without licensing anything, specifically, I think, because they wanted to say, we're in you know 100 or so countries at launch, and all of our content is going to be available everywhere. And that's hmm. uh, just how, that's the, the baseline we want to establish. Um, and you know they, they, they made that move, and it'll be interesting uh, if we get to see some, some numbers about how it 
is doing in different parts of the world. Um, you know, Netflix, uh, like I said, they've been, they've been producing localized content for the longest of any of these, uh, these companies. Disney is being very aggressive in buying back rights, but they do have to buy back rights. They're spending a lot of money, uh, to get the Marvel movies and Star Wars movies back from whoever they sold them to in different countries. Um, HBO, uh, with HBO max seems content to not be global anytime soon (laughs) in that they, uh, are licensing the rights of a bunch of their shows to sky in, uh, in you and the UK UK. and Australia and Canada. So, um, and we don't know, uh, for Peacock yet what their, their strategy is going to be, but it's going to be similar where a lot of the, their properties are, they will either have to buy back the license, the the rights, or they're going to be sitting on their hands waiting, uh, until they can actually be global. Um, And I think it, you know, sitting on it, it's all well and good to say HBO, you know, take the, take the money from sky right now. Uh, you know, um, Peacock maybe do do the same, but uh, if they sit on their hands for too long, then you know there's going to be Netflix, Amazon, and Apple, uh, and and eventually Disney will be their options. And you know, just like you're saying with uh, Netflix, it's like you've had it for so long, you're going to keep it. Uh, they're they're giving Netflix a chance to establish themselves that way in lots of other countries around the world right now. Mm-hmm. So here's a quick question for you, Adam. Like, if you were to jump five years into the future, and I'm going to base this question just off something that I think is very interesting, is that a lot of these shows that get picked up for these services, they're produced by traditional television uh, production companies. And so like Sony is a good example of that. Sony produced yeah. House of Cards. Um, so... I think it's interesting that like, you know, two years after the first season of House of Cards, House of Cards is available on Blu-ray. So all of a sudden, something that was exclusive for Netflix now goes directly to home video. Because what happens is, is that sometimes these production companies, they do the show with a license where they'll air on a particular network, but they have home video, they have home video rights and things like that. Then we have seen situations where some of these shows have actually found their way to cable. I'm trying to remember, there was a Netflix show that eventually found its way off of cable. And a lot of people looked at it as the question was, well, was it a money grab or was it an opportunity for Netflix to kind of show cable subscribers, hey, there's more content that comes from this type of place, which is kind of, I guess, no different. HBO historically has done things like that 20 years ago where they did cable exclusives and does does that. So five years from now, are we going to see like um, cable? start picking up on some of these some of these broadcasts uh, I think that might happen in the case of uh, peacock and HBO Max since they're you know tied to um, to cable providers and they have a, a traditional linear pay TV route to, to go but I would be surprised if that happens with I think we're, we're gonna see in the next five years more catalog exclusivity um, and that people will be less inclined to give anybody access to their catalogs until the pendulum swings the other way and you know some people give up um, but, mm-hmm. but I think that before <laughs> that point it's gonna be it's gonna be very tightly held um, and uh, or I mean Maybe not internationally. That that seems okay. to be the thing that is happening. But the the other thing about Netflix internationally is that what people don't realize is a lot of HBO shows and Showtime shows globally are Netflix shows. Um, this is true. Netflix and Amazon own a lot of the American cable TV right. content. Um, a lot of the Emmy winning content that people associate with uh, with other brands in the U.S. is is distributed by Netflix in other markets. Um, so it, their their offering is in some ways stronger in other markets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that is you know something that maybe people don't know, but that HBO might 
get those rights back from them in the next couple of years. But we've, I think we, we've seen people have a hard time of understanding how these things are moving around and they might just not know that something ends up at HBO. Right. Um, if they were, you know, if they've, you know, watched, you know, two seasons of something and then it get two seasons of Watchmen and then it gets pulled over to HBO max whenever HBO max shows up in their country. Right. Oh, it's interesting. I just keep going back and thinking about this four four day work week. Now it's like, well, the fifth day will be used for watching content. Uh, <laughs> so Microsoft, I see what you were doing uh, in that in that study planning for the fall uh, with all this content coming out. Um, but like we're seeing, like, like I said, it's like we have all these now like these paywalls, right? Like all this consumer attention is going behind these paywalls. And I think it's something that we've been talking about uh, for like all year long. But you know, how are our brands going to be able to navigate this? Like, how are we going to get access to this consumer attention uh, when it's moving? off of linear TV into new pockets that are, I guess, paid for and really ad adverse right now. Adam, Chad, what are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, we, we were already seeing a huge expansion of in-content uh, brand integrations, uh, and it's uh, all of these services will have it. Uh, the, the Morning Show has a ton of brand integrations on Apple TV+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are Apple, but there's a lot of them that aren't as well. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's obviously harder when you get into genre uh, you know, fantasy storytelling and things like that. But uh, I think for for anything that's set in present day, there's uh, lots of opportunities there. From my understanding is that it's um, services like Netflix are becoming very turnkey in terms of their conversations with, with brands for product placement. Mm-hmm. It's not something that, uh, you know, it used to be you have to know a guy who would then introduce you to somebody who, you know, you could then put together some sort of deal and then you'd have to run it through a director and a producer or maybe not the director, but the showrunner and the producer. Now, from what I understand, is that there are real targets that are put on some of these shows in terms of brand integrations, and some of them are anywhere from six figures for an actual, you know, for an episode. You're seeing the same thing on cable as mm-hmm. well as more people. So it's not necessarily just limited to, you know, to the streaming services. You're seeing it directly on cable. I think every episode of Billions, I think, has three to four different advertisers that are in it. Uh, AMC, um, a bunch of their shows have some product integration in there as well. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 not uncommon. And, and I do think it is something that we have to worry about. You know, I've been very uh, aggressive with all of you guys and also with the Magna team and everyone tells me that I'm crazy and I understand that I'm just being dramatic. <laughs> but it's like, if you had, if HBO, or not if HBO, if Disney had released least like 12 episodes of the Mandalorian tonight. Okay. There'd be a blackout of 12 of age 12 to 18, 12 to 24, maybe even higher of impressions that would be unavailable for this, yep. for this evening. It'd be tough to get. So I think that when you start looking at all these different binge services where you don't have these real deliberate opportunities to introduce ads, you have to start thinking about all the other behaviors that are going on. So second screen does really uh, come back into play, but it's not about a synchronized second screen. It's about a second screen of like, what is it that you're doing when your eyes are dropping from the TV? So when Mm -hmm. your eyes drop down to your phone, that's where synchronized messaging comes into place. And so things like that, just understanding that you might not get them on television, but you're going to get them on digital devices. Well, well said. Um, and I can say at 27, if it was bingeable, it would be a total blackout for me. Yeah. I already, I already tried this morning. Yeah. I got three minutes in. It's fantastic. Recommend the, Man- <laughs> the Mandalorian. <laughs> um, no, but that's great. And so, uh, that pretty much wraps up everything that we want to talk about. Do we want to go into shows? Is there anything else oh, you want to I talk wanna, about? I want to have a... Uh, so Adam and I had a conversation this weekend. Um, it was like on Saturday afternoon or something like that, where I, I had made an observation that I thought the quality of delivery of Apple TV was very impressive, like in terms of the quality of the picture. Okay. So 
you know, a lot can probably be said. You said that, Adam, you said that other people had also been commenting on this. Yeah, there was some like AV geek blog that um, was actually testing the video quality. And and, uh, as of right now, obviously, this was before Disney Plus launched, so we don't have data on that. But Apple TV was like heads and shoulders above any other streaming service in terms of the bit rate, the maximum bit rate uh, that the video was streamed at. It wasn't as high as, you know, a Blu-ray off of a disc, but it was way higher than any other streaming service. Normally, because I've had a 4K TV since like right at the launch of like 4K services and stuff. And 4K, anytime somebody tells you that it's gonna that something is gonna be delivered to you in 4K, you just get ready for the artifacting, right? <laughs> it's just gonna happen. You you see the big pixels on the screen, the blacks look terrible and stuff like that. The I was watching uh, for all mankind, and I just I thought the delivery of it was great. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's Apple's CDN or if they have another C. I, I don't I don't know. It yeah I mean Maybe it, it, it has must to do be with the lack of subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it must be some of their CDN. CDN and they just, um, you know, whatever they, the Apple does run a cut their own CDN at this point, um, in most parts of the world. So yeah. it is, it could be that whoever on that engineering team was just like, got a phone call like, okay, get ready. There's going to be a, a lot of bits flying over, over your system. How, well, how was the quality of Disney? What did you watch Disney plus on this morning? Uh, my iPhone. So the iPhone 10 X <sighs> millennials <laughs> <laughs> watching movies and TV shows. Well, I mean, yeah, I so mean, it's, it's Apple TV plus and Disney plus both support Dolby vision, which is, yep. you know, sort of a newer, uh, high quality, you know, Whatever. picture standard. <laughs> so those of us stuck with HDR 10 for open standards, you know, <laughs> that'll show us. But it, it, it's interesting though, because I do think this is always constantly another argument in favor of streaming and that a lot of people aren't getting this quality from their their ca- yeah. their cable system. So if you have HBO um, through your cable company, okay. you might actually get a better quality picture from uh, HBO Go uh, or HBO Now or eventually HBO Max than you do from your cable provider mm-hmm. um, just because the technologies are newer and they're, as long as your internet is fast, it'll serve you up the best picture that it possibly can. It's so funny because it, it, was, it was certainly something that I noticed uh, because Every every year, there's at least two movies that I miss with some of my friends, and so mm-hmm. you know, there's some high production quality, you know, or something like that. And my friends will always know that they can talk me into going out and buying the ultra high def <laughs> Blu-ray. So I just bought John Wick, like some special oh. edition for John Wick Three, because Fantastic. you know that is something that needs to be enjoyed in the right quality of light, the right bit rate, all that sort of stuff. But seeing the delivery of those shows on Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's pretty impressive. And so maybe it is raising the bar. And it could also be, you know, it's just like I think we're now at least getting close to a good three and a half years in on a 4K delivery, a 4K deliveries through over the top, right? I mean, because it's like Netflix started yeah. doing it. It wasn't House of Cards. It was that that really bad cowboy show, Western show that was one of the first 4K shows on Netflix. I can just tell you it was so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, don't I think Adam that. Sandler was involved. It was like an Adam Sandler Western. Jesus. It was like no it was idea. unwatchable. Need to see that. It was unwatchable. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like it's like things like that. And it was just like everything was so artifacting and stuff like that. So maybe we're getting to this point where the evolution is there. Right. <laughs> Probably because we're getting ready for 8K and 8K yeah. TV onslaught. <laughs> so. and, and, and 8K 5G uh, factory out in but, Wisconsin. Well, but you know, something else is interesting is that and I didn't meant to check this Sunday. So Fox TV or Fox through their iPhone app, claims that they're doing NFL broadcasts in 4K. And I don't know if that is also through their Apple TV app. Okay. I don't even know if they have an Apple TV app. They do. They do have an Apple they TV do. app. Yep. So that's something to keep an eye on because it's like we have still yet to see sports in the United States go to 4K. 
We just haven't. I mean, and that's probably just because of the fact that most of because there isn't any 4K cable service. So right, right. that's probably why. But I would be curious to see start look start seeing some things. I've seen some like you know tech demos and stuff like that, but it's not live. Like I've seen really good hockey stuff in 4K. Right. Saw a cool AK hockey demo last year. <laughs> that's cool. But you know, it's only a demo, right? It's only a demo. It's only it's only, it's only a demo. It's only a demo. <laughs> and it was like the Swedish Elite League, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> well, I mean, like that's interesting because like talking about this underlying technology, right, and how it's actually delivered, like that isn't something that we've seen a lot of conversation about, you know, in the media or just on Twitter or anybody that's been talking about this. But that could really lead to a whole new competitive advantage for these platforms, like raising the bar of what mm-hmm. consumers are expecting yeah. when they open up their TV. Like, and I think part of that goes to like what and how people are, are actually watching, right? For me, it's like my iPhone is the best display I have in my house. Like I got like, like a 720p little 32 inch. Right. And I think I have like a gen four Apple TV from like 2012 that I, I watch on. So it's like that part, it's like, it, it gets the job done. It's right. fine. But it's like, I pulled it up on my iPhone this morning. And I was like, why am I not watching everything on my iPhone? Because it's just way better the experiences it's just way better like the detail is unbelievable um and it was 4k i believe um that's little... great on a six inch screen yeah. <laughs> listen man yeah you know it's really uh the like pixels are much in. closer to your face when you're watching uh, yeah. them on a phone i had, like one eye open too it was Make great a note to call me when you're my age yeah <laughs> i want you to just do that just call me and just tell me what it was like watching waking up in the morning and watching the mandalorian that, and i want you to watch that same episode that same episode, <laughs> that same episode. <laughs> be a blast from the past you know um there was some news Adam, you probably saw it. I was a little kind of off topic on it, but there was um, Netflix announced that they are pulling their support for the in TV apps for older televisions. Oh, really? Did you see this? It was interesting, no, and I think I think Roku. I think I think they basically said they're pulling support for older Roku devices and older. TV over smart or connected TVs. Mm-hmm. And so, and they were basically talking about the technical limitations or the, oh, or, or, or not that the limitations. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. is they're limit, they were limited with some of the new features they wanted to do. And I was curious as to how much autoplay has to do with mm. keeping users watching things and turning them on to yeah, TV shows and TV shows that, for instance, may also cost you less, cost yeah. them less. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That's one, that's one of the big things Apple TV plus is missing is autoplay. Like you have to go back to the main screen. No, it doesn't. Sometimes it's just really buggy. Oh, okay, it did okay. it for me <laughs> <laughs> when I was watching Dickinson. It was doing it. Yeah, I watched all. I watched everything. I watched C. Uh, I watched Dickinson. I watched The Morning Show, and I watched For All Mankind. And not once did I get autoplay on my Sunday session when I was melting into my couch. You got I, skip the skip the intro though. Uh, no, Yo, you didn't I got, I, I skip intro skip either intro? because my, my technology oh, is so old. I don't, I don't need old yeah. Apple TV. I, I, I can't auto play. I can't. <laughs> Why don't you watch it on your phone? Maybe I will now. Um, it even what's your, ha- what's your favorite show of them all? Uh, of them all? I think the morning show has, has, has won it for me on Apple TV plus. Mm. I'll let you know once I dive into Disney plus this weekend and it's become <laughs> one with my couch, but I think the morning show uh, is my favorite currently, followed by uh, For All Mankind, then C. And I like all of them a lot. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my rating. What about you? Your thoughts? I've only seen the morning show, and uh, we're close to f- to seeing all the episodes of For All Mankind. I really like For All Mankind. It's really good. Yeah. yeah I really, I, 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 love, I love shows like that. The only pro- part that's bothering me is like, I love the fact that you have two people from The Killing on that show. <laughs> but the guy who's playing... Um, uh, not Deke, um, the guy who plays the the flight control 
guy um, who was played by Ed Harris in The Right Stuff. Is that terrible that I don't know his name, but I remember that? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm really embarrassed by that. Uh, But that guy, he either has to get a shirt that fits him or he's got to look a little older. (laughs) What about you? Uh, I don't know. I I, I like The Morning Show. I like For All Mankind. Although the first couple of episodes of For All Mankind didn't really knock it out of the park for me. I thought Dickinson was really good. I think Dickinson is very unique yeah, it's very, like one of the one of the most unique things i've seen on tv in a minute and i think that it's gonna be very successful with like teenagers and college mm-hmm. age kids um i was just impressed that like everything is like pretty good <laughs> like like nothing not, i don't think that there's they have any emmy winners on the on the slate right now but everything is pretty solid like you know a b on, on everything, you know, Could have which been a is strategy. I think it probably was. I think they were like, let's, we want safe and we want it good enough, but safe. Right. And mm-hmm. we're not going to, I think Dickinson actually was their, their like risky one actually because of the, the weirdness of the, the concept. And did you see that they had a shuffling of the executives yesterday? I did see that. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know either. It's like, it's like Apple is now all of a sudden in the entertainment business and they're just unhappy with their results and they have to fire It's everybody. unclear if like, if he was fired or he quit, he got a first look deal. I read that. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they have a deal with his production company. So if he was, it seems like he just quit. It seems like and he, who is, he only who is this? did this. He's like a one level down. He's not like the top executives. Okay. But I think what he did, I think he actually only took the job at Disney at Apple to get the first look deal. Like, I think this was his plan was I'm going to go work there and I'm going to do the launch and then I'm going to leave, but there I'm going to sell them stuff. I'm going to create content for them. I, I That is my reading of the situation, but who knows? Mm-hmm. TBD. People in Hollywood do that a lot. They're just like, <laughs> but it was just so funny. It was a very Hollywood headline for Apple. It, it, was. So it was. funny to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and I, I think we, we, we kind of end on this too, like talking about like Apple's content, right? Um, one of the things that Benedict Evans has been saying on Twitter is like, what does what, what has Apple done to content in Apple TV Plus that makes it like Apple-y? Like, that like 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 what like what have they done to like innovate in that content like yeah. territory right like like they're like they're known for like disrupting and changing something at at their core. I, I mean, I gotta tell you, it, it sounds like super nerdy and maybe only something that I would recognize, but it was like the quality of the picture was mm-hmm. very good. It made you actually realize. That, I mean, I complain a lot about like how shitty you know the quality of some of these shows comes in, and especially mm-hmm. like. You know, I pay for a quality internet connection that I never get. But the fact <laughs> is, the fact is, is that it's still it, it looks really good, and that is an Apple-y thing to do. Is right. It just works, and it's of high quality. That I would say. There we go. I, yeah. I'd question what's so great about a new I, about the new iPhone, but that's that's another story. We'll have to come. You have, have you back next week, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's difficult to say what. Like, I think what he means is that he wants it to be everything is an Emmy winner right out of the gate or something. Mm -hmm. But it's just, as a lot of people have been pointing out over the past week, it is just impossible for anybody to do that. It is highly unlikely that any, that any of these, that Apple TV plus, um, or, uh, you know, or, or Peacock, let's say is going to win an Emmy for something, one of their originals in the first year. Like that's just not very likely. Right. Um, and you know, Amazon didn't do it. Netflix didn't do it really either. Um, so it took house of cards a little while, but one thing in fair, I got to protect Netflix on this one point. At that point, there was still was a hostility as to whether or not Netflix was television or not. Sure, sure, sure. That's the only thing I'm going to push back on you on. No, no, I, I feel like I, I agree. Remember, <laughs> there was like always these questions, and there was like still there were like um, 
even movie theaters who were refusing to show Netflix movies because when Netflix was trying to like yeah. get like one one theatrical appearance and they can qualify for an Academy Award and theaters were saying no because you're stealing. Art. Yeah, no, no, of course. I mean, I, I just think that right out of the gate, it's difficult to on day one have like your Emmy winner. Right. Like Lily right. Hammer was no Emmy winner. <laughs> right. Exactly. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, people maybe, do you remember Amazon had shows called uh, Alpha House and yes. Betas? And oh, betas. Like, yeah. yeah. Amazon went through a long slate of, of failures also. So yeah. like in that respect, I think the Apple shows are like high, a little bit higher quality out of right. the gate. Uh, but uh it's like, uh, what would what would that mean? Uh, my question back to Benedict Evans is, okay, what would that look like? Give me an example. Yeah, give me an example. Plan- what was it, Planet of the Apps? Planet of the Apps. Oh, okay, geez. right? <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, come that, on. That one was really bad. Okay. Yeah, well... And, the- and who decided Carpool Karaoke should be a, a show? I don't know. A fantastic, a fantastic YouTube series, right. uh, but <laughs> tough on the actual show itself. Um, cool. Well, any any last thoughts? We're kind of at the end of our, our, our time here. Oh, Bam Tech? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bamtech powers a lot of the. I think HBO runs off Bamtech. Not anymore. They moved. Oh, off they moved of off it. of it. Yeah. Okay. Did they build their own, or they did something with Amazon. I forget. There's something. But I, I read uh, last week yeah. something that confirmed that they're not the on big, Bamtech anymore. I think the big things that Bamtech runs is obviously Disney Plus, um, MLB.com, yep. NHL, and yeah. I think they do WWE. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the big one. Yeah, well. but like, like, but they have been historically like the leaders in the streaming space. Yeah. Like their technology has been the absolute best. Uh, and then we saw like Netflix come in. They built their own technology, which is kind of is on par. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm not. I don't really know exactly, uh, but it seems like, you know, this kind of like the infrastructure level, uh, there could be a, a real race for innovation there to make, you know, one better than the other uh, for, for, for these bigger companies. Yeah, I mean, Netflix built a lot of their own stuff, but they also run on Amazon. So I okay. don't know how much they're using as, as custom versus off-the-shelf AWS components. Okay. Like the CDN, for example, might just be um, CloudFront or whatever AWS is is called. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listeners, uh, please let us know what your favorite content is uh, this weekend uh, when you're at, like, this, like falling into a deep coma that is induced by streaming. Uh, you can tweet at myself uh, at Tipier on uh, Twitter. Adam, you're at Adam J. Simon. Chad, what? Uh, C. Stoller. At C. Stoller. Let us know your thoughts. And if you like what you hear, share, tell a friend. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you and talk soon.